0: podcast. I hope you are all staying warm and keeping your sanity with the coldness if you're in the Midwest.
1: <laughs> Actually, it was pretty hot today, so.
0: I heard, but you know, I was stuck inside working all day. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you got to go outside because you're running around with the kids. So <laughs> I pre- which I appreciate that.
2: <laughs> um, Ladies and Soul podcast, once again, Wednesdays yes. coming to talk about current events to your flowers to entrepreneurs, role models, community leaders, uh, and just kind of give insight into the Black and Asian community. Um, Lately, things have been crazy, I keep saying lately, it's been like two years now. Oh my gosh. Don't remind me. the pandemic and everything that's going on. (laughs) Um, So we have continued to provide this platform to discuss topics and and meet uh, young entrepreneurs in the area. we usually start off talking about current events or things that's happening so let's talk about the FedEx and, excuse me I'm, I'm, I'm all stuffy right now, but, um, uh, let's talk about the uh, FedEx delivery guy, black gentleman delivering packages for FedEx um, a Caucasian male got in his car or his truck and tried to box him in so he couldn't leave uh, he swerved around that guy. The guy's son was in the middle of the street with a gun. He swerved around that guy. The guy started shooting. That doesn't
0: sound familiar. You're
2: right. And this guy started Even the dad had the
0: same name.
2: And, um, you know, then uh, mm-hmm. they called the police and said they seen somebody suspicious in their area. This is the second time this has happened, and mm-hmm. they should go to jail for it. very, very. Um, Second
0: time they've done that? or the second second time time time. this has
2: happened in the news, um, where people have taken the law into their own hands, so to speak, and they were dead wrong in in that um, champion, whatever they thought was going on, and it seems that it always happens to a black male or a black person in general, people of color. It's never... Uh, some black guys seen a white guy walk in and would grab their guns because they look suspicious. It's, uh, it's, it's maddening. It, uh, it's horrible. And there should be a lesson to learn from this. I mean, they should get 10, 15 years so that the next person knows not to do something stupid uh, and at somebody just because they look suspicious. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of in my lifetime. And for anybody out there who can give me a reasonable reason why you gonna shoot was at a right,
0: driver, you're, you're
2: shooting at a person, person because yeah. you believe they look suspicious. Well, first of all, what 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 was it about their appearance that looks suspicious? That looks
0: suspicious.
2: Was it the color of their skin? Because the guy was in a FedEx uniform. So I don't understand how that would look suspicious. Um, So that's number one. Number two, um, you can always call the cops, take down Mm -hmm. a license plate number and say, hey, this is what I observe. You guys do with it what you will. Right. Um, But to take the law into your own hands, Mm -hmm. um, considering you're not a trained professional, is idiotic in nature. Um, So if you're out there, stop it. That's the dumbest thing i heard of. We have people dying, people getting shot at, because, because you, they
0: look suspicious. <clears throat>
2: right. Because you have a feeling about something. Who the hell are you to have a feeling about another human being? Right. It might be, the, like I said, the dumbest thing I've ever heard about. And they should go to jail for an extremely long time mm-hmm. based on them being stupid and almost costing somebody their life. Right. What if they hit him? You know, he would have died. What if they would have shot through his car and hit somebody else that was in the neighborhood or in the area?
0: Yeah. Or a kid riding around in their bike.
2: Totally. It, it took a situation and made it a 100 times worse
0: yeah
2: for the simple fact of um you know you had a, mm-hmm. you had a premonition or you had a feeling however you want to justify that action um it's it's insane yeah so um and I, like i said um you know it's black history month i i really don't necessarily celebrate black history month because black history is a 12-month 12-month event, mm-hmm. but um, don't let this, this story die, because initially when it was reported, it was all over the news. Um, now that they're being charged, they're being charged with a lesser crime and not um, attempted murder, or something like aggravated assault with a gun or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. So don't let this story fade out um, of these gentlemen shooting at this young man who was at work. He's, right. FedEx driver, he's working, doing his job, and because mm-hmm. he looked suspicious in their eyes, um, he almost lost his life. So let's not let this story kind of uh, fade into the, the the distance. Make sure you you keep abreast of this, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you know if you have to write to someone, um, you know, speak out because these guys should go to jail for an extremely long time.
0: Yes, so. Speaking of stories, (laughs) see how that works? (laughs) Speaking of stories, we have our guest here tonight, and um, she is a published author. Naomi Wong is joining us, so we are going to um, learn a little bit more about her story, about her book. So we know nothing, none of the questions are planned. It's always like that. So, yeah, we always always go with the flow. So if you have questions for her, you hear something that you like, make sure you comment. So that way we could also ask her um, those questions. So without further ado, we welcome Naomi to the show. Hello, how are you? Finally! Yes, good <laughs> to goodness. meet you face-to-face. You too. Are you? We are doing well. Thank it's you. Good. And they, I'm glad you it worked out that you're available today.
1: Yes, yes. Thank you for, for contacting me and uh, being willing to make it work. <laughs> I appreciate of course,
0: it. Of course, of course, of yeah, course. Yeah, last week we had to reschedule, but we're here now. So we are excited to learn a little bit about you, your journey, where you're at and a little bit about your
2: book. So, um, yeah. Well, let's start out with, um, give us a little synopsis of your book uh, that's published.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, let start with the hard questions first. <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> I always tell people it's so hard to say what this book is about, but here we go. Okay, so there is a woman who is also a human weapon and she ends up pregnant by her trainer and covert agency and cross-racial marriages and, front and so, so she flees to save her, her mother and the left of her child hour hour. and, and runs right into the arms of handler from a different agency and Um, that that person says that he's her handler who takes her to a family that's supposedly her her family and there's this big adventure opened up as to well who is this person actually and what is she what is she doing in the story um so very exciting lots of intrigue and a little bit of action as well
0: yeah, that's,
1: that's
0: it. He loves the action, the, the <laughs> sci fi kind of twist. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> this one right here, he's
0: a Marvel fan over here, too. I was going <laughs> to say, I was
2: gonna say it, is a, it is a more complex yeah. version of like a Black Widow type story. Right? But he loves, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He loves that kind of
0: stuff. Now,
2: I can say that this book, from listening to your summary, is ready made for a movie. I mean, it has all the intrigue the the um, things that make you go oh my god i didn't believe that yeah so that i mean this is you need to start sending out putting the script together and sending it yeah. out
1: <laughs> Do you know during the writing of this book i actually stopped it partway, and i started trying to learn how to write a movie script because i thought this is like the way i envision it yes it needs to be a movie yeah. um and much respect to the screenwriters out there it is difficult Um, (laughs) I think for for multiple reasons so it's it's a great um it's a great craft but I think there's a lot left to the imagination of the person who is I mean you know the people who are interpreting it the actors and the people that are talking about how it's going to be shot the lighting the music and I think that for me as an artist I was thinking about like I I like having a little bit more control than that So I was like, okay, I got to write this as a book first, um, but I would love if someone would turn it into a movie. Wow. Right, right, right. Yeah, it does. It, it You
2: you have to have certain elements when you yeah. are trying to convert a book to a movie, and I believe mm-hmm. it has yeah. no specific elements. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: now, tell us, how did you, first of all, how did you start writing? I mean, did you want to be a writer when you were growing up? Is it something you grew into? Um, how did this kind of come to fruition?
1: Yeah, great question. And I would say all of the above. Um, So I remember like writing when I was little, um, just any kind of story. I read a lot. And when you read, you tend to write as well. (laughs) Um, So I did do a little bit of that, but most of my stories were very derivative and, you know, just whatever little kids think of to do, right? You mimic what you're reading. Um, I think when I actually started to write as like expression, as art, Um, and understood that that was what I was doing. I was just out of college, um, so a number of years ago now, Um, and mostly it it started as poetry. So my first two books are poetry, Um, and I was just, I was having a rough time. I was dealing with some unresolved trauma, and it was time to resolve it, and writing was the way that I ended up being able to access some of the things that I wasn't able to get to by facing them head on. Um, Fiction was an interesting kind of safe space for me because it was like, you know, poetry is expression and expression is good. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's a a creative space in fiction where sometimes you don't like, it's not just writing about what happened to yourself. It could be, although that kind of borders on maybe not so Um, fiction-y. But there, there is a space where you can write about feelings and um, Mm -hmm. issues, things that you're thinking about in the world um, and dream about what it would be like for it to be better, like all of those kinds of things, right? Fiction is a very multi-dimensional space that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, I would say the fiction writing came sort of out of need but also like it was the it was the fun writing as opposed to the poetry which was more of the necessary writing sure Mm -hmm. and and they say that most
2: uh most stories of fiction either has a little bit of the author in it or it has a little bit of the author's thought process Mm -hmm. as far as what would i do in certain circumstances or what what would I hope that I would do you know if, <laughs> if three armed men come into my house hopefully I would be able to do XYZ so
1: mm-hmm.
2: it is it's a, it's expressive of the author to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Um so uh, fiction so are you a closet nerd or <laughs> you just wanted to talk about that that topic where did that because usually when I
0: someone that's what you are
1: Oh, I I, is it everybody? I don't
0: know. No.
2: (laughs) We closet nerds are a breed unto themselves. Okay, first of all. Uh, So um yeah. So is it that you are interested in things like sci-fi and adventure Mm -hmm. mystery? Um, or is this just something that you think the audience would appreciate? And that's why Mm -hmm. oh, that's
1: interesting. Okay, so I think. It had very little to do with the audience. I'm going to be honest. I was just having some fun. Um, <laughs> I think the the genre choice did come from like you know when you talk about an author working out thought processes. I think mm-hmm. that um, the sci thriller thriller actiony kind of genre um, and maybe also speculative um, speculative fiction genre. Was a, a comfortable space to move in as I'm dealing with social issues and um, the deep, dark recesses of people's mind—that um, sure. sort of thing. Um, but I, you know, there is there is a little bit of nerdiness that goes into any kind <laughs> of fiction writing that you have. So I don't know how many um, novel writers you know, but there's so much research that goes into it. So I was like reading the encyclopedia and researching all kinds of topics, things I never thought that I would read about um but i just i enjoyed it so much and i would say that half of the fun of writing fiction is like yeah there's a the story but then there's like all the cool things that you learn about when you're trying to build your world um definitely, and whoa <laughs> i loved it
2: Aww. um give me your two favorite books of
1: all time oh my gosh Oh, or no. movies. Or it like, could be movies as well. How about 10, one movie? know, um, okay, let's see. Off the top of my head. Oh my gosh, there are too many. Okay. Um, I'll go for the recency effect on one. So Crime and Punishment. I read th- that this last summer. Um, That's a huge
2: read, first of all.
1: Yes, it is. Although I had help. It was a, it was an audio book that I got from the okay. library So I was reading it. Um, I, I paid attention, you know, I'm an, I'm an auditory learner. So I was kind of just sitting there and um, I think I put it on like one and a half speed. So they were talking really fast like this and it was really great. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, I cried at the end. I was like, Oh my gosh, is amazing. Um, so that was really good. And let's see something else. I'm gonna go with another kind of verbose one. Frankenstein, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Very good you read book. Them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read it when I was in high school. Um, and it made such an impression on me. I mean, okay, so the first half of the book is like snooze, why am I here? Um yes. and then you know, the second you know half that? really picks up Frankenstein? Oh, everyone had
2: to read that in high school. Yeah, you
1: know? yeah, it's good. Maybe what I would say is like to the second half. Uh, I don't know if it oh, works. Like, <laughs> I that. wouldn't. I wouldn't. I always read <laughs> the ending first. Mm-hmm. Actually, it depends on the book, but I have been known to like skip to the yeah. last page and be like, "Is this worth finishing?" This and then I'll go back and read it. that is
2: cheating. Okay. It <laughs> you know, is cheating.
1: But oh, I can burn God. before Like you know, you you read all the way to the end yeah. of the book, and then you're like, "I wasted my life on this. Like, why am I?" Why? So yeah, exactly. I, I have done that before. It's it is cheating, but sometimes you have to cuz you can't trust people nowadays. It's crazy out there. <laughs>
2: last,
1: like Shakespeare. You like
0: book.
2: Shakespeare. Ah, Shakespeare mm-hmm. is is very wow. long and drawn out as well. <laughs> um, last book I read that was just like that, that I love was The Da Vinci Code by Dan mm-hmm. Brown. Um very good book very, um, very eye-opening. I mean, you know, it's not something, of course, it was based on fiction, of course, but it just put in questions Mm -hmm. um, that you never really posed about the world. Same Mm -hmm. thing with The Matrix. The Matrix changed Mm -hmm. my life, the movie, Um, just Mm -hmm. for the simple fact it made you view things from a different aspect. It made you Mm -hmm. ask questions, Um, so that's why I like that one as well. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of good material out there um, mm-hmm. with so much streaming services and all, all things of that nature. What do you do to get your creative juices flowing? So do you, is there anything that you watch particularly or is it just internal that you get, <laughs> get those juices flowing?
1: Yeah, I think um, a lot of it is having to do with like my own um my own, I guess you could call it internal, but I do a lot of, I do things. So like I'll, I'll walk, um, walking, it's kind of weird. It's like if I have a mental block, then I'll just like walk. And there's something about the act of my body moving that makes my mind also move a little bit. <laughs> so um, that works, um, I paint and dance. Um, so sometimes other forms of creativity can kind of like, if I get stuck in one form of creativity, then I'll kind of jump over to something else and it helps. Um, as far as like, uh, inspiration, I think that, um, I don't usually like emulate what I see, but I know that, um, there are at least two TV shows that definitely, um, that definitely colored, um, the early, the early formation of my book Amphibia. So, um, one was far too short-lived dark angel series i don't know if you've heard of it but it's kind of a sci-fi uh,
2: yeah just go yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: yeah so that was, it was real good right government clone experiments escaped and they're all in okay yeah. so yeah love that um great example of a strong woman um snappy dialogue and um interestingly mm-hmm. like especially early in the series, very hopeful for something that is sci-fi. And I think for me that that's important. I I can't read too much or consume, I guess, too much sci-fi because it can often be very depressing about the world. And um even though I want to be like socially critical and thinking about like how things can change, I really am thinking about how things can change. I don't want it to just be like, oh well things are bad and that's just the way it is, guys. So let's get used to it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the Dark Angel did that well. Um, so that one and then, hey, for you, Marvel, Agent Carter, again, far too short lived, but that was an amazing series. Um, it was like two two um two seasons, but again, very strong woman, um, a woman with scruples. And um yeah, I I appreciate that. And that one was mm-hmm. fun because it had a butler, so
2: that was oh, yeah. very, very short lived, though. I mean, that was, a, <laughs> that was a blink of an eye, uh, mm-hmm. Agent Carter. So, uh, okay, now how do you feel about Agent Carter's uh, participation in the Marvel Universe in the movies, or have you seen the movies?
1: I have I would seen be the so movies. disappointed
2: if you have not seen the movies.
1: <laughs> I definitely have. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've seen uh, pretty much all of the movies, I think. Um, I think I missed one of the well definitely the recent spider-man movie but maybe the one before that too um but yeah everything else i've seen i would say i i was disappointed with with peggy carter's um participation in the series and i think it's because you know she she appears (laughs) in the first captain america movie then she gets old then she dies then they have her niece or whoever that is as some kind of like semi love interest, and it was just kind of weird. I was like, What are, are you? you doing? Like, just yeah. do something so she could have her own space. Yeah. Um, you know, and then you get like your little cameos and stuff, but you know, I think maybe for me, and probably for a lot of like the other, other women and young girls out there, I think it's nice to have more time with the strong women characters, right? Um
2: I think she played a great part in the first Captain America. I think she she played a very integral part in that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us a little, you know, we've talked about your book a little mm-hmm. bit. We've talked about your inspiration and creativity, mm-hmm. but tell us about Naomi growing up,
1: you know, Ooh. where are you from?
2: Who are you? Um, you know, that background stuff.
1: Yes. All right. yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'd love to I'd love to talk about that. You guys are great with coming up with questions. Um okay, so where I'm from is a little tricky. I was oh. born in California, but I've moved around a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, lived in Montreal for a while, oh, Seattle, wow. Houston, Honolulu, Vancouver. Honolulu. Did you have like uh,
0: parents who were in the service or something?
1: No, um, they they actually were um, like kind of like campus missionaries um, yeah. Yeah. fellowship. Yeah, so they um, they moved quite a bit for that. And then eventually it was just me. I'm going around and doing different things. Um, I'm currently in New Jersey. So yeah, I've been around. I think the last place that felt like home was Hawaii, um, but my parents are still in Vancouver and my family's kind of all spread out. So I think home is more like, um, less like a geographical area and more like, where's everybody gathering? And that right. that's where home is. So um, growing up, hmm. Yeah, it must, have been
2: it must have been tough going to school in so many different places mm-hmm. and having to uproot everywhere you went. Yeah, it
1: was it was hard. Um, most of the a lot of the moving actually happened after high school, so I did have two or three big moves uh, as a child. Um, but yeah, so I'd say the, probably the hardest one was from California to Montreal. Actually, mm-hmm. maybe that's a lie. Okay, wait a second. I don't know. Both of them were hard. Okay, so <laughs> um, moving from California to Montreal, that was the first big move, and so I think that was that was difficult. Um, they speak French there, and we did not really speak French. Um, do you speak French? We do now. <laughs> of course, of course, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, they say use it or lose it, so I I can yeah. understand it when I hear it. It kind of like hurts my head, but like I do understand speaking not so good anymore um but yeah i think one of the hardest things about moving to montreal besides the language issue um was the the racial relations so um at the time anyways they were calling themselves a mosaic city everybody's living together uh but they're all distinct and so you've got you know these little um enclaves with you know well this is where the chinese people live and this is where the italians live and um, that was really funny to me, moving to a place where like there were different kinds of white people. I was like, I don't mm-hmm. know, what does that even mean? Okay. Right. Um, but yeah, so, you know, they kind of all separated. Um, and then for me and my sister, the issue in our school, I was in seventh grade, she was in ninth grade. But, um, you know, they would bop us around to different groups. Well, you know, you're you're mixed with Chinese. Well, go hang out with the Chinese kids. Oh, well, you're mixed <laughs> with Go hang out with the black kids. Um, oh, no. And yeah so that was difficult and then the other thing was like with respect to being black um there was not much of an understanding of american blackness and so um they would continually kind of grill us about like well what island is your mom from and it's like well we're we're not from an island we're you know and we you know try to explain the history we're descended from slaves and like yeah but what island and it was just like so mind-blowing they're like we know that you said you're from California, but what island? How are you black but not from an island? Um, and this was a real concern for everybody. So uh, mm. there was wow. consternation on both sides. Um, yeah. yeah, but I have fond memories looking back on it. it wasn't so fun during the time, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the second move was to Seattle area, um, and again, I kind of ended up going to a more segregated school. Um, and so I think that was difficult for me at the time. Um, but one thing that I learned kind of in all of that moving around was to, to go and like gather around all of the, the social rejects, <laughs> um, because you know, outcasts come in all shapes, colors, and sizes, and yeah, very like, true. all right, yeah, cool. Um, and we were probably the most diverse group in the school, actually both schools, um, definitely, but yeah, it was it was hard, but it was also an experience that I wouldn't trade in for anything because I think it it taught me not to use some of the same, um, same supports that other people use, right? Sometimes we walk around the world, this has never happened for me, but I hear that people, they gravitate towards people that look like them. Yeah. And there's a feeling of safety in that, right? That um, you can go to people who look like you and, can trust each other that inside of this world where everybody is turned against each other in some kind of way that there's this group of people that you can kind of you know (laughs) hang out with and you'll be all right um and you know i i feel that way with my family but it's not because of the way that we look it's just because they're my family Mm -hmm. um i sensed pretty early on that I wasn't gonna get the same kind of support most of the time um from either of my parents' communities. Um I still claim them and I still have solidarity with them, but there's there's tension a lot of the time. Um that's oh, yeah.
0: that's yeah. why we have the podcast. Like Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I appreciate that so much. Like the work that you guys do. Thank it's you. important. Um and we need more of it. So I yeah, I'm just grateful and um, admiring this work because I know oh. it's not easy. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: some days we'll be like, "Are we going on tonight?" You know, because we do this out of our our own our heart, right? Because mm-hmm. we want to make a change and we want to get the message out there mm-hmm. that you know, black and Asian, like we're not what the media shows we are, and mm-hmm. there are leaders amongst us and so we want to highlight those leaders and like my husband says give the flowers while you're still here and Mm -hmm. but also shed light and show the world who we are and you know and a lot of times that's how you make connections is Mm -hmm. through stories or through finding commonality like you had mentioned a little bit about it earlier Mm -hmm. where they can trust you if they feel like you're similar. Have similar things in common, you know. So, and I, I think it's,
2: I, I think that's kind of an American thought process because when we go abroad, so if we when we went to Egypt, oh my
0: gosh, yes,
2: um, I I felt totally at yeah. ease.
0: Wow, now, yes, she there, didn't even know what racism was. She's like, what? My husband asked oh. her. My husband asked our tour guide, um. Is do you have issues with racism here? And she's like, "What is that?"
1: Oh, amen.
0: And we had to explain <laughs> it to her. Oh, I, I see that going on in the U.S. and you know stuff like. That. So she was like, "I see it in the news and media, but no, that everybody is the same here."
2: Wow. Yeah. Well, her thing was, uh, it's more um, financial. So it's the status. rich and poor. Yeah, it's supposed to, to color different.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know,
2: different races, yeah. but. Even though there were um, people from multiple races in Egypt, I just felt at home. You know what? I won't say at home. I, I felt more at ease. And I, that's why I say I think it's more of an American thing where when you initially see somebody because of the struggles we've had in this country and in the divisiveness. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, you automatically judge
0: and certain judge. people at yeah. certain times
2: depending mm-hmm. on what's going on. But when we've been abroad, Mm -hmm. um, I don't think I've had that same thought.
0: Yeah. Well, Yeah, and it's because we see things based on our past experience. And so because we have gone through those things in the past experience, we automatically assume, oh, they did that because Mm -hmm. we're Black or because we're Asian because we've had that happen to us before, right? Mm -hmm. So it's one of those struggles where it's like, were, do you think they were being racist
2: or not? Mm-hmm. You know, but then it's like they don't come out and say it, but
0: their yeah. actions. Well, racism—you yeah.
2: can sense it. <laughs> yeah, racism is one of the worst things I think it in the is world. So, so, bad. if I, I don't, I don't, I don't accuse someone of it unless I'm sure because mm-hmm. it is one of the worst things that you can do. So, yeah. try to be optimistic to a certain degree or um, not you know? Sometimes people use that as, as a crutch, and sometimes it's very legitimate. More times than not, it's very legitimate. Yeah. So um, I try not to um, make that judgment call until I'm sure. Right. But um, you being black and Asian, yeah, tell us how, about yeah. how
0: you feel. You kind of like. Well, what was
2: your experience? Have you, <laughs> have you experienced racism? And if so, was it on your Both Asian side or your black side or mm-hmm. you know whatever? Yeah. What's your experience? With it? Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so again, huge question, oh um, <laughs> but yeah, I would say um, definitely, I mean, I, like you said, in this country, everybody's going to experience it some kind of way. Um, mm-hmm. I think I've learned to expect it um, in primarily white circles. I just, you know, I mean, as a you, we call ourselves minorities, right? So you just know you're going to end up kind of receiving a lot of interesting um at best microaggressions and you deal with it, right? I, yeah, probably the, the worst of it that I experienced was when I was living in um, in Texas, so it was a border state. Mm. People were racist against me, but they didn't, it was actually for different reasons. So they didn't know what my mix was, but they, they thought I was Mexican and being Mexican in a border state, looking Mexican in a border state, bad idea. I don't know who thought of it, um, <laughs> but yeah, I had, there, there were issues and it wasn't just like um, social tension, but like a couple of times, like, my physical safety was threatened kind of things. And it's like, oh man. And like, I guess the the best thing that can come out of that is that for a moment on those days, right? I step into somebody else's shoes. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, I wasn't thinking that it was right to treat anybody that way, but it's also like giving me upfront Close and personal, um, helping me to understand what is put on some people mm-hmm. um, on a daily basis, and yeah, yeah they don't—they don't always have this. I don't know. I think they're even though it was like I didn't like the experiences that I had when that happened, I also had like uh, a bit of an emotional distance on it to be able to say, well, they jokes on them because they don't even know like they don't know anything about me um mm-hmm. and the truth is that whenever somebody acts that way towards someone they don't know anything about you Right. Sure. whatever they think they know they don't know mm-hmm. uh but yeah so i think that that was an eye-opening kind of experience for me um i frequently get mistaken for other things mm-hmm. frequently kind of pick up um people's racism for reasons other than what i am but i would say that. um Actually, it's in experiences with my own people that I tend to get uh, some flack for what I actually am. Um, right. Yeah, and it's definitely happened on both sides. So, um, when I was little, mostly in Asian circles, I just, oh my gosh, everybody was tormenting me. Um, but then as I got older, I think that, um, yeah, you know, my mom would say things like, well, hey, you know, um, you're. The the rule is, you know, you're one thirty second black, so you're black, you know. Um yeah, yeah, one yeah. Black and more, right? One drop. Right. You've got you're right. You're you're right. Black. one drop. trying to tell me and my sister, like you guys, she want, she raised us to believe that we were both, right? Fully black, yeah. fully Chinese. Um, and there there's truth to that with respect to our heritage, right? You can't have half a heritage. Mm-hmm. We have a whole heritage. Um, we have two whole heritages, mm-hmm. um, black people. Are as much my people as they are my mom's people. Mm. Chinese people are as much my people as they are my dad's people. Mm. Um, but there, I've learned to kind of try to have some kind of um, sensitivity to the fact that when I walk around in this world, nobody's thinking that I'm a black person. Right. Nobody's thinking that I'm a Chinese person. And right. so, um, experientially, I just I have a different um, mm. existence than other people. And so. That doesn't bother me. I don't think it makes me more black or less black or whatever. It's just kind of like I I am how I am. And, um, I believe I was made that way, and I feel pretty good about it. Right. Um, but I I do have to say sometimes it can be sad. I guess I was going to say uncomfortable, but it is it is a sad thing um, that the the communities and especially minority communities are so. Um, mm-hmm. I think the best way I can put it is that it seems protective, that people are afraid of, um, maybe afraid isn't the right word, but they're protecting against um, change because Mm -hmm. there's something about, there's a threat from the outside. Um, Maybe it's white people, maybe it's something else, but there's a a sense of needing to protect group identity and something yeah. that's different, right? If you're reaching across boundaries or you embody reaching across boundaries, um, that can that can feel threatening. Um, so I try to have a little bit of grace about it, um, a little compassion, I guess. Um, but it's perplexing. I mean, you know, I I grew up believing that just I mean, it was my world that your family didn't have to look like you to be family. I didn't like. I used to think that. That is that, true because <laughs> I was like, well, they're both girls. So obviously, you know, my dad's sister is my mom's sister. That that works. Yeah. And I, did, yeah. I never noticed that, like, well, they're different colors. So obviously they must be like, you know, my dad's sister belongs to my dad and not to my mom. Um, but I think that just goes to show that that kind of association is trained, right? right. We belong to the people we belong to. And where the love is, that that is where you belong. <laughs> um, yeah. So but I'm sure that you guys also you you must have thoughts about this too. Yeah I, I
2: don't think I I think that your internal and I could be wrong on this, but mm-hmm. your internal uh group or family I don't think it's a big problem. When I I think where it becomes a problem is mm-hmm. like you sister when you walk into a room they gonna think you butt. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's white, whether just from your physical appearance, um, your demeanor. Now that for your family wouldn't be an issue because you family, whether or not you white, black, whatever you are. But I think it's when you go outside and the the um, what is thought of you or what is said in whispers and things of that na- nature kind of determines the culture that they believe you are because mm-hmm. to be frank, um, perception is key. Mm-hmm. So if everyone perceives you as a person of color or a black person, um, then their natural, um, I guess, shield comes up mm-hmm. with thoughts of how black people are. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to your family, they could care if you one sixteenth this <laughs> and one eighth this, you know, they raised you, they changed your diapers so they could care less you know what you are i think it's the outside influence yeah. the outside world where it becomes a difference or it becomes a problem mm-hmm. um so to that degree i do think mm-hmm. that i mean i'm a big proponent in uh people of color and disparaging the the negativity surrounding that mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you know in my opinion everybody talks about um slavery but no one talks about the greatness before slavery, you know? So Mm -hmm. in that aspect, you know, everybody says, Oh, you know, we're descendants from slaves. Well, we're descendants from a people in Africa who created math before 90% Mm -hmm. of the world, who created a lot of the things that we utilize to this day. Everybody thinks the Greeks and Romans invented a lot of it, Mm -hmm. but a lot of it came from Africa. So we, we come from a, a a people to be celebrated. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think it's the narrative outside our collective um, people, the organization mm-hmm. that kind of makes things kind of go bad as far as that is mm-hmm. concerned. So you know, everybody has their difference in opinion and whatnot. I mean, we're all human beings. don't get me wrong. That's but right. <laughs> uh, you know it, it's it's very hard to think that way when you see some of the the um the bad stuff that happens to people that look like us. So, it, you know, sometimes it's very hard to say, oh, can't we just all get along when you see a young black man shot because of his yeah. color. So so it, it, it's a hard uh, process to go through.
0: Now, how was it for your parents being in a racial relationship? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, they they should be here to talk to you guys. I think they you guys just have had a ball. They um, should be on the show, yeah. Yeah, I'll have to pass, pass you info around. Right? Um, I know. You can, I guess we'll we'll make do with my perception of it. Um, but I would say uh, it was it was difficult. You, know, you talk about um, internally how mostly things are okay on my mom's side. That was true because um, you know I think black communities and especially the ones on um, that my mom is descended from um, have tended to be more diverse, right? You've got all kinds of mix already, um, and you Native American mix all up in there, um, and a diversity of phenotypes uh, for various reasons. And so um, I think that, yeah, my mom's family is just very open, very accepting of my dad. Um, My dad's family has a different story. It was difficult. Um, They they are from the American South. Um, And so even though they are not white, there was. a sense of like you know the hierarchy that, that this country has had for a long time um so that creates some conflict that was that was a difficult thing early on um and we i think after my parents got married there there were a few years of like it was really bad um and then by the time my sister and i came along um Whatever relationally had been ruptured was kind of a little bit more um, healed in the way that it could be. Yeah. Um, but you know those those sorts of things. you still have the scars for, um, you know years later, I would say. Um, but my parents do love each other very much. Um, and I think that most of the places that they go, people comment actually less about how they're racially and culturally different. Um, but more on like their personalities are just really different. My mom is a dragon. My dad is a tiger. So two power signs. Um, even though like I, I'm not really like a Zodiac person, I'm like, actually that one makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, no, it's exclusive. Um, but yeah, they're, they're fun. Um, they're fun. And I think that one of the things that makes it work, um, besides they're being very committed, um, mm. is they they like a lot of the same things. And yeah. they're they're able to kind of like reach across boundaries. Mm. Um, I think even before they knew each other, like my mom, she liked Chinese food, but like she's from LA, so LA Chinese food. Yeah. Um, and then my dad was like, <laughs> totally into like um, psychedelic music, and like, I don't know, it was just, it, it worked. Um, and <laughs> They're, yeah, they're, they're fun, like, fun. What are you thinking?
2: No, that's just funny because whenever we have a event, mm-hmm. um, and Horn's family is cooking and all that stuff, um, and they mean nothing by it. Our fam, most of our family loves me, most, most, of <laughs> most <laughs> they, me. they will always say something like, because they know I don't eat a lot of it doesn't. traditional food, he doesn't. so she'll say, they'll say something like, okay, we have the fried rice, we have this. Oh yeah, and we got fried chicken too. And it, it <laughs> makes me bust out laughing because they mean nothing by it. Okay. Yeah, like when yeah. Paul said something one day, they were just like, Oh my God, no, we didn't mean it like that. No, we just want to make sure you eat. You it.
1: <laughs> so it was funny
2: when you said um that you know your mom likes Chinese food. That's just that's hilarious. To me, but I'm sorry. <laughs> oh Good yeah, night.
0: oh yeah. But you know, and like Asian
1: Asian fried chicken is different. Then other kinds of fried chicken you might get. But it's good. Like If you it's go good. to the right places, they can they can fry some yeah. chicken. <laughs> I tried fuss uh, soup.
2: Me and my wife has been For together. For the first time Yeah, Me and my ever. wife have been together almost 20 years as far as I before would... we were married and then when we were married. Oh my God. And uh, I would never try fuss soup. And I finally tried it. It was what? damn good. It was I damn bet. Good. <laughs> yeah, it was damn good.
0: Never
2: tried um, it. He finally tried it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very picky when it comes to. I'm like, I, you don't want it.
0: Do you want a fur? <coughs> you want some fur? And he thought, I'm
2: oh, Like, what the heck is that? What is fur? <laughs> um, so, and also, I mean, there, I mean, there's traditional food. I don't, you know, I don't eat traditional. Some traditional black. Food. Authentic. I don't, I don't eat okra. I don't eat chitmans. I don't. I mean, I don't eat beef yeah. or pork either. So I don't, you know. That's
1: good. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> um yeah. but you know what i don't want to get um use all our time up without you plugging your book um first yeah. once again tell us where can we get the book first of all
1: yeah um you can get the book on pretty much all online platforms so um, amazon barnes and noble kobo apple um it might also be on google by now i'm not sure mm-hmm. um
2: yeah, now, and it's in
1: printed and ebook form.
2: Oh, it is an ebook form. Okay, now let me ask you this since you are a audio learner, mm-hmm. have you done an audio version yet?
1: I have not, and that's only because <laughs> I am an indie author and it is very expensive. So um, I will say that I am saving up for it, and I'm very, very excited because it is a life goal. I would really love to release an audio version of this book.
2: Well, you know, you have two voice actors right here if you need to do it for
1: free. <laughs>
2: yeah, oh, yeah. We're just, just doing it for the love, without a doubt. Without a
0: doubt. I want
2: right off that. <laughs> and uh, once again, for people who joined us late, give us a quick, um, you know, synopsis of the book, a teaser, so they'll mm-hmm. run out and get it.
1: Yes. Okay, here we go again. Um <laughs> A female human weapon discovers that she is pregnant by her trainer at her covert agency. This is a cross-racial relationship and pregnancy against the law. So she has to flee to save her own life and the life of her child. And she ends up right in the clutches of a handler and a family that say that she belongs to them. Mm
0: -hmm. And now we have
1: to figure out who does she actually belong to? Who actually is she? And what is her mission?
2: That's awesome. awesome. Now, the reason, the <laughs> you reason have to I read keep,
1: the book to find out.
2: Right. The reason Ooh. I keep asking you this is because they say you need to have your sixty-second elevator pitch because uh, no. if you get in an elevator and there is a producer there <laughs> and he's looking for a idea for a new movie, yeah. you got to be able to rattle that off to him before he gets out that elevator. It's true. It's true. I've <clears> been <throat> practicing. <laughs> now uh, we always ask this of our, our guests, but um, if there's someone out there who has an idea about a book, but mm-hmm. they think that you know they can't do it, or it's too time consuming, or they don't they don't have the requisite capabilities to do it, what advice would you give them to kind of make that leap? Hmm.
1: I would say, do it. Um, <laughs> so. Do do what you need to do to do it. I wrote this book over six years. I was writing it on my lunch breaks because I worked full time. So I was just, you know, whatever. I had my notepad or sometimes just scraps of paper, sometimes my computer, but not often. Um, and I would just like write everything down, couldn't read half of it. I would go home and type it up. Um, and it took a long time and it was painful at times. And I thought that I was not going to be able to do it all of that. But I think that what's important is the resolve to say that you're not going to give up on it. And, um, so what if it's slow, just do it. Um, and you'd be surprised how, um, how much you can get done by just deciding that you're going to do it a little bit at a time.
2: Mm -hmm. Now, see, now look at this. You have been on for 40 minutes. One of my good childhood friends, Just said he's going to buy a copy
0: for his wife (laughs) and
2: his daughter. Look at that. Oh,
0: hey,
1: thank
2: you. Uh, We want to say thank you very much for coming on, uh, you know, to take time out of your busy schedule to talk to us. Uh, You know, like I said, we want to give our flowers to people out there making a difference and, and kind of taking the bull by the horn. Um, we'd love to have you on, and uh, you know, some other time.
0: Or your mom, mom and dad.
2: dad. Or your mom and dad.
0: All um, of us. We should do all of us. Hi. All right. of us. So Our kids. Yeah, your kids,
2: kids. We gonna, Our
0: Blazing family.
2: <laughs> we were gonna do like a Blazing episode <laughs> and all this. So we'll definitely hey, hit See yeah, yeah. what we can do.
0: I, I do. You. I do want to know. Um, thank you, Sharon. Oh, thank you so much. I do want to know, how did you find out about us? Because uh, initially, you had emailed us.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, kind of sadly, in the spirit of how things go with books, um, the the market is very whitewashed, right? And mm-hmm. so trying to find places to um, to talk about the book or to uh, explain why it's relevant. It's a difficult thing. People are like, why do I want to hear about right. someone, first of all, who's not white? Second, right. who's mixed, but then like, is not mixed with white. And people, they just blows their mind. They're like, but right. the biracial people are half white. So, mm. you know, it has to be a story about them discovering they're not white side. And I'm like, I am not discovering my white side. Okay. Like, I just don't. Um, so anyways, but what I did was, I decided to start with looking up places that Um, I could talk about being mixed or at least, you know, and then, you know, talking about my book, that's great too. But Mm -hmm. as you can tell, I have thoughts about race and mixedness and all of that. So, um, Mm -hmm. anyways, yeah, I looked up, I think the exact Google search was Blasian Podcasts. No way! (laughs) The second hit. So, Yeah, yes, it's been such a gift to be here. Thank you, guys. I love what you do. Thank you. I I really would love to do it again. So you just tell me when and where. I'll try to get my parents in on it. Yes, we would love that. We got you. Don't (laughs) worry.
0: We will have you back, Naomi. Uh, Thank you again. And thank you for being so patient uh, from having Mm -hmm. to reschedule from last week. We wish you the best. I'm sure you'll hear from us again. and be expecting for a couple of book sales already (laughs) yeah and so uh if you do you have any last words or anything that you want to say before we let you go um
1: mostly like i said i think i said it with thank you but i just bless you guys bless your work um like i said it's so important what you do and um praying joy and encouragement on you because for the moments where it's not easy um yeah, but definitely. thank you thank you and love to all the people who are watching <laughs> and my daughter's <laughs> out there too and mm-hmm. she
0: just said i'm Blazian too <laughs> well,
1: yay more Blasians. <laughs> <More> Blazian <Blasians.
0: laughs> Blasian love
1: thank all right Blasian, much, we'll talk to you
0: okay. soon bye bye awesome awesome yeah, very good interview
2: very good interview you guys um go out grab the book um we will have her back on um you know in the coming months but mm-hmm. um it's good you know there are a lot of times that uh we as minorities we do venture out and start businesses and, and do different ventures um but it seems sometimes that we're all always pigeon oh we're just going to do a restaurant or we're just going <laughs> to do this or that it's good to see um you know one a, a person of color kind of stepping out of their comfort zone mm-hmm. um doing sci-fi and, and thriller mm-hmm. Uh, books and things of that nature. You love that. Uh, well
0: it's, Driller, a, it's not
2: it's not uh you know that <laughs> thought process is not indicative of any culture. So mm-hmm. you know just because a lot of white people might uh, no I'm saying you books. love
0: sci fi yeah, and so, all that so, stuff. You're, 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 she you're,
2: encourages me if I want to do yeah, a sci-fi book
0: she I bet you would be yeah me, I bet that would be good.
2: Um to do something like that. So <laughs> I truly appreciate absolutely how, how that rolled. Yes. Um, <clears throat> we don't want to take too much of you guys' time. Um, you know, uh, thanks, huh?
0: Um,
2: You know, we don't want to take too much more of you guys' time. We'll be back uh, yes. next Wednesday, 7 o'clock, same time.
0: Same time, same
2: place. Same place. Uh, and once again, guys, um, you know, just because things might be a little bit better right now, it's still a little sketchy out there. So uh, protect your loved ones. Try to help who you can. And by all means, watch your six. Let me watch your six. Um, Other than that, we'll see y'all next week. Yes. Peace out. Deuces.
0: See you next week. Lock on. (laughs) I'm <laughs>